Welcome back, Pick Up Your Bible listeners. This week we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew again. We come onto the scene of Jesus' first public appearance in this passage. Since his birth, escape from Herod into Egypt, and ensuing return to Nazareth, a 30-year-old Jesus reappears on the scene at the River of Jordan to be baptized by John. John the Baptist was what many Christians of today call the ultimate forerunner for the Messiah. Jesus and John were cousins. Like Jesus, his birth was announced to his parents by angels. But this incident recorded in the Gospel of Luke is not the first mention of John the Baptist in the scriptures. Nearly 700 years prior to his birth, Isaiah foretold of John in a message of comfort from God to the Israelites. We find this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. As foretold, John grew to be the last Old Testament prophet. He traveled up and down the Jordan River bank, proclaiming the imminent arrival of the kingdom of heaven, charging people to repent of their sin and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. He was direct, even harsh, and confrontational with his apocalyptic message. Comparing a person's desolate heart to the wilderness or the desert, he preached that each one should be accountable to prepare his or her own heart to receive the soon-to-arrive redeeming work of God. And so, as each person responded with a repentant heart and a changed attitude, John would baptize them in water, earning him the renowned title of John the Baptist. Imagine his confusion when the Messiah, Jesus himself, unexpectedly comes to the River Jordan to be baptized by him. John knew for a fact that he was lesser than Jesus. In Mark, John's words are recorded. Let me read Mark 1, verses 7 and 8 to you. Quote, And John preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. End quote. John knew that he was the sinner, who needed to be baptized by the sinless Jesus. Not unlike us, John struggled with the idea that Jesus would respond to his message of repent and prepare a way for the Lord. That Jesus would be baptized, even more so that he would be baptized by him? That just blew his mind. Many of us struggle with understanding this because it seems to challenge the confession of Scripture that Jesus was sinless. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 3 verse 5, You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So why did Jesus get baptized? 
In Matthew 3, verses 13 through 15, we can hear Jesus respond to John, who had the same question. Quote, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Fun fact, these are the first red-inked letters in the Bible, the first time we hear Jesus speak, and this surely fits the Jesus-said-what category. It's definitely unclear what Jesus means here, and that makes it a great spot to pause and dig deep. After all, the first red ink in the Bible deserves an intentional stop and study, don't you think? So let's do just that. Jesus says, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. If you have your Bible with you now, underline, circle, Highlight these three words in this verse, let, now, and us. I'll first focus on the initial part of Jesus' response. The first word is let. Jesus says, let it be so. The use of this word let highlights a couple of things for us. The first being that Jesus is not disagreeing with John's thought that Jesus shouldn't be baptized by him. Rather, it seems like he concurs, but is asking him to act despite it. Let it be is also translated, allow it to be, suffer it to be, and permit it to be in various versions of the New Testament. So essentially, Jesus is telling John that though John is right that Jesus does not need the repenter's baptism, he must trust God's divine will and permit it to be so for now. This brings us to our second highlighted word, now. The Greek adverb arti is what is translated into now in this verse, and it carries this specific sense of an act being carried through at this very time or in this very moment. The beauty of that as we study these verses is that Jesus is telling John that this very moment in history was specifically decided by God for this act of Jesus' baptism. The third word we highlighted in Jesus' response is us, for thus it is fitting for us by which he means himself and John. Jesus is reassuring John here that just as the moment of baptism was so intentionally chosen, that John would be the one to baptize Jesus was also divine will and purpose. So when we put these three words together that make the initial part of Jesus' response, let it be so now, for this is fitting for us, we effectively have Jesus giving John a divine mission that exposes us to the beauty of God's will in action. The participants, the timing, and the trust it takes to do God's will even when we don't make sense of it is all part of doing God's work. With these words and with this knowledge, we see Jesus encouraged John to participate in the baptism, despite his feelings of confusion 
and disagreement. So now that it's been made clear that Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but still had John baptize him, the question remains, why did Jesus take the baptism of repentance when he was sinless and didn't have anything to repent of? I suggest that the answer to this lies in the second half of Jesus' response, in the words, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus came to this world on a mission to redeem mankind. He came that we may become righteous in a way that we cannot be apart from him. Even in our repentance, we are imperfect. Jesus' redeeming work on earth was not just accomplished in that moment on the cross. Rather, it began even at his birth when the angels proclaimed the arrival of the Savior to the shepherds in the fields, Luke 2, verse 11. In every other act of his human life, even his baptism, we see his redeeming work in action. He didn't get baptized because he was a sinner. He got baptized in obedience to his Father to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't excuse himself from anything God required of man. His life of perfect obedience and his ultimate sacrificial death was credited to us as righteousness, that we may be saved from our wretched selves and be reconciled with God. As I present this material to you today, I'm filled with gratitude for my Lord and my Savior, that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Listeners, may this truth about your God always move you to gratitude and praise for him. Happy Thanksgiving.